Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here on a Sunday afternoon. The Los Angeles Clippers fall to the Milwaukee Bucks by five. 105 to 100. A game that saw the Clippers go scoreless in the final four minutes. Not ideal. Not the way you want your weekend to end. But we are here to try and Ease your concerns and discuss the ball game as Joey Lynn will join me on today's podcast. One of the great Clippers hoops minds on Twitter. We'll get into the ball game. We'll break it down from every single angle. We'll talk about the death lineup that the Clippers use at the end of the game. We'll talk about PG and Kawhi and their shot making and the offense and how the offense should be flowing towards the end of games. We'll talk about the defense on Giannis. We'll talk about Joey thinking that Blake Griffin would be a decent fit with the Los Angeles Clippers for a couple of reasons. We'll get into that, though. Lots of chat. Clippers basketball coming at you very shortly. Before we get there, though, you've heard me talk about what we've got going on at Hoopball with the Fantasy Pass. $4.99 for your fantasy needs. I've discussed it. You've heard me talk about it. You've already used the Brewski 150 to help you win your leagues. Now I want you to win more than that. I want you to win some money. And how do you do that? With the Fantasy Pass. What does it include? First of all, for $4.99, try it out. If you don't like it, you can cancel, okay? But I know you're going to love it. Not only does it have updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, also has the Hoopball Discord server, which has different little chat rooms in it, just like Slack. Go trade advice, add drops. Even teams are in there with different individual chats. It's all there. The gambling stuff is there as well. I want you to get involved, and I want you to talk to the Hoopball pros. You can do it 24-7 around the clock. You can ask Hoopball pros like myself questions, and we will answer your biggest fantasy basketball Questions. So please do check out the Fancy Pass. Head to hoop-ball.com. Click on the Fancy Pass ad just below the main media wall. All right, let's talk some Clippers basketball. Let's bring in my guy, Joey Lynn. You're going to hear me in the intro say that there is no intro. Well, we got the audio sorted out. So you did get a very short intro, but now we will get to our conversation with Joey Lynn. It is an absolute treat for you. It is an absolute treat for me that not only do you not have to hear my voice for a couple of minutes to start this pod, because we're going straight into my dude, Joey Lynn. You see him on Twitter, at Joey Lynn underscore. Great content creator all over the place. He'll give out all of his stuff 
a little bit later on in the pod. And yes, we are going to talk a little bit of Blake Griffin because Joey Lynn has a little thing going right now trying to get Blake back to the cliffs. But Joey, great to have you on, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me. And I appreciate that introduction. Uh, Always a pleasure hopping on the podcast with you. And the Blake stuff, man, (laughs) you know me. If you really know anything about me, one thing you will know is that I'm a Blake guy for life. So, yeah, absolutely. Blake back to LAC. That's my movement. Yeah, we'll we'll chat about that because you had a video you put out. I watched it from start to finish, wanted to see what you had up your sleeve, what what the reasons (laughs) were. So we'll get into it a little bit later. But we got to break down the game that just finished. Uh, The Clippers lost to Milwaukee 105 to 100 in one of the worst four-minute stretches we've seen from the Clippers to close that ball game where PG and Kawhi, the two guys that you want to take shots, just were bricking left and right. The Clippers could not get a shot to go, did not get a point in the final four minutes of that ball game. Joey, your initial impressions, because I know you're upset, and it was a really good game until the final four minutes. It sucks it had to end that way, but what are your thoughts on the ball game? You know, man, like you said, it was a fantastic game leading up to those final few minutes. I was having a lot of fun, and I think that's one of the main differences uh, at least for me in the way I've watched games this year, is that I'm really trying to take a step back and enjoy, I guess, just the beauty of basketball. And a team like the Bucks, they play extremely good basketball. You know, especially Giannis. I mean, that's one of my favorite players in the league. So watching them do what they were doing today was a blast on the defensive end, offensive end. And the Clippers were counterpunching the entire game. They got down 10, came back, were playing well, and then the collapse happened at the end. Yeah, it it wasn't pretty, and you go down and you look at what happened, and I'm going to read this because you kind of have to read it to believe it in terms of how it went down in the final four minutes. So Kawhi hits the jumper with 4.01 to play. After that, you look at what what Kawhi and PG did. PG misses a 24-footer. After that, PG misses a 27-footer. Then Pat Beverly turns it over. Then Kawhi misses a jump shot. Then PG misses a floater. Then Kawhi misses a three. PG misses a three. Then Kawhi missed a three. I know you were pissed off at the final play, and I'm with you there. Just a really bad shot to end things. I mean, I read that. It's kind of hard to believe, right? Just the way that the final four minutes played out? Man, that last shot, and, and like you said, I mean, it wasn't just the last shot. It was a series of misses leading in to that last shot but I mean with all that being said their defense was keeping them in it they were down just three going into that final possession and and I was talking to my dad we were watching on the couch together I said this has to get drawn up for Nick Batum I really thought he was the guy who all season long has been making clutch shots and I didn't want to see just an isolation possession with Kawhi or PG because those two have been missing all those shots coming into that final possession I wanted to see a real play drawn up for an open shooter. Both Nick Batum and Marcus Morris had been hitting shots the entire game. I felt like those two guys would have been great options to try to find for an open look uh, in the corner or wherever else. But, you know, they end up with a, a contested Kawhi 30-footer at the end. And you know what, man? It's uh, a lot of work needs to be done, especially especially in the clutch moments because you can't be having that. You know what's frustrating is that Obviously, the Clippers have Kawhi and PG, and those are the two guys that you want taking the shots at the end of the game. And you look at what Milwaukee did, and their final points were all from Giannis. Giannis makes layup. He made his free throws. 
Um, so he got it and won. Then he made two free throws. Then he got the dunk, which was just unbelievable ball movement. And to your point, that's, I think, the most ex- upsetting thing with how this game closed, Joey, is that the Clippers are known for their ball movement and the ability to find shooters on the perimeter, whether it's in the corner, whether it's on the wing. The Clippers' ball movement allows for open shots. But instead, it seemed like the Clippers reverted back to kind of last year's Clippers team at the end of games where they went ISO. And that's not the identity of this team. The identity of this team is an actual offense under Ty Lue that moves the ball. I don't understand why that happened because that's, I think, the most upsetting thing to me with teams, especially with the Clippers. When you have something that works, why go away from it just to go ISO on the final few possessions? It doesn't make sense to me. It's it's unbelievable, dude. It really is. And and you pretty much nailed it down to an absolute T. Throughout that game, I thought their ball movement was fantastic. They were missing some good looks, but I thought Paul George especially was doing a fantastic job at getting into the paint and creating open looks for shooters, whether that was off of his pass or, or off of an extra pass from somebody on the perimeter. And that completely stopped in the final few minutes. It was just ISO. And, and man, like you said, we have seen that. Over the years from the Clippers on Doc Rivers led teams and we would complain about it and we would say what happens to the Clippers in the clutch. I mean, it really just breaks down into one on one ball and they go away from what made them who they are offensively. And and we saw that again today. So the frustration uh, from us and, and from the fan base is certainly warranted after what we saw in these final few minutes. Now, when you're the Clippers and you have guys like Marcus Morris and Nick Batum and Serge Ibaka that can shoot the three ball. Normally, to go and continue with what we were saying, you trust those guys to hit shots. You're trusting them to hit shots during the game. I wonder if when you get this late in the game, do the Clippers not trust those guys late? Because that's the issue for me, is that you have to be able to trust these guys in the postseason. And Ty Lue said before the game that you'll take a couple losses during the regular season if you're working on your stuff and it's going to get you a win in the postseason. You'll take a loss in the regular season if it's to get better so you're better in the postseason. Wouldn't this have been a chance to make sure you get everybody else involved and get open shots so that you know that if, for example, in the playoffs, you have LeBron locking up a guy like Kawhi or PG that you can rely on others? Absolutely, man. And I think you said it perfectly because in games down the stretch, in the playoffs defenses are going to key in on your superstars and we've seen that man throughout the really course of the past few years the teams that win it all and the teams that go deep in the playoffs are the guys who have role players step up and hit big shots I mean as great as Kawhi was in that 2019 run in Toronto they don't get to the finals if Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry and and Siakam and and other guys like that don't step up and hit big shots and it's the same story for any title contender man you see it year in and year out they have guys who can step up and hit big shots and the Clippers have those guys like you were saying they have those guys Nick Batum done it all year Serge Ibaka he was on fire today Marcus Morris same story but if you go into the fourth quarter and completely abandon those guys and opposing teams know you're going to abandon those guys you see what we saw today which is a team that just keys in on two guys being Kawhi and PG, and it's something very similar to what happened in the first Memphis game 
where the defense says, you know what? These two guys aren't going to beat us. We're not going to let these two guys beat us. They've been torching the league. We're going to take them out. We're going to double them. We're going to run aggressive traps and force somebody else to beat us. And if Kawhi and PG just continue to force up contested shots in the clutch and they're not hitting, that's when you see a collapse like what we saw last season in the bubble. I'm glad you brought up the Memphis game because it's funny. The first half today was kind of like the first game where the Clippers were getting open shots. They just weren't hitting and a couple of, you know, missed defensive assignments and they just weren't playing as hard as they needed to. Then you go to the second half today and that was more like the second game against the Grizzlies where the Clippers were making their shots. Sergi Baca was red hot in the third quarter and all of a sudden you realize that, okay, just continue with the process. You're going to make shots. Just continue doing what has worked all season. It's going to end up like games, the first one against Memphis, where you miss a bunch of shots. But it's also going to end up the following game where you make your shots. And this is exactly what happened. The first half they missed, second one they made, and then they kind of went back to just completely abandoning what they do. It's frustrating. It really is frustrating because when you and I, who are guys that sit on our couch and watch basketball, can identify what seems to be a problem, then you wonder why the guys on the floor are abandoning the offense that work and going kind of hero ball. It's it's frustrating. I think that's the best word to describe it. It is, man. And, you know, like you said, when people like me and you can can identify it, you know, from our couch, and, and we admit that obviously, you know, we watch the game with an analytical eye. You know, we watch it very closely, but, you know, we don't claim to be – I guess, you know, basketball gurus in the sense that the people who are actually making the decision for the Clippers are. But with that being said, that doesn't mean that they're above criticism because we've seen it time and time again from the Clippers year in and year out where things are going a certain way for the team. The this is calling it out all season long. This needs to change. This needs to change. This needs to change. It doesn't. It goes into the playoffs and the team flames out. So, while we admit that, you know, we are who we are and who we are is not a NBA level head coach, we still recognize that we've seen this movie before. And as Clipper fans, I think we absolutely have earned the right to recognize when things are wrong and then call them out because we've seen the ramifications when they don't change. Giannis is a very good player. I mean, it's as simple as that. Stopping a guy like him, there's a reason why he has been the MVP of the league. 36 points, 14 rebounds, four block shots. I mean, the guy was tremendous. When you go 15 of 27 from the field and your best player is doing that with that sort of efficiency, it's tough to stop. And then you've got Chris Middleton, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the league, that added an eight assists. And even Drew Holiday was in his first game back, and so you had a little bit of worries about that. But Holiday didn't do a whole lot. I mean, he was not that great. He was a plus 10 in the game they won by five. Um, despite being one of five from the field, it, it's one of those games where when you have the two guys on the other team in Giannis and Middleton that are performing as well as they are, you need to have your two guys performing. And Kawhi was as advertised, except for the final couple of possessions where he missed some shots that, frankly, you bring Kawhi in to make. Those are the shots you want him to make. You are, Those are the shots that he is paid to make. Then you have PG who is 7 of 21 from the field and 2 of 10 from 3. It's not good enough, Joey. It's just not good enough in a game like this 
where you're playing a Milwaukee team that you very well may see in the NBA Finals. And you know what, man? One thing that I want to speak to, and you kind of alluded to a bit, is oftentimes people who I don't think watch the Clippers every single game like me and you do and like our fan base does will say when things like ha- things like this happen and, and when breakdowns like this happen, they'll say the Clippers need a point guard. The reason why the Clippers offense falls apart is that they don't have anybody to get them into their offense. They don't have a true point guard. My response to those people would be the Clippers don't need a quote-unquote true point guard. They just need their offense that has gotten them to this point in the game, has gotten them to this point in the season, their offense that has been arguably the best in basketball to actually show up in the final few minutes of a game. Mm -hmm. Because what we saw all game today was Paul George being given the point guard duties. And I think he did a fantastic job at it. Getting in the paint, finding shooters, driving and kicking, drawing crowds. He was doing his thing as a playmaker. But then the final few minutes come around and the game slows down and the Clippers, as you mentioned, completely go away from what got them to that point. So I don't think the Clippers' issue is that they need a true point guard. I think the Clippers' issue is that the point guard duties that they hand to Paul George or hand to Kawhi Leonard or or hand to Lou Williams, that needs to be 48 minutes of intentional playmaking. It can't just be a complete breakdown like we saw in the final few minutes. And, you know, a lot of people disagree with that. They'll say the Clippers, no, they need a true point guard. And I understand what they mean by that because if you see what you saw down the stretch of this game, it looks like really bad offense. But I don't think that's because the Clippers don't have players that are capable of running the offense. That's just not what's been happening. It's a good point. And PG had seven assists today. And to what you were saying, it's about the offense. And if you run your offense and you continue to generate open looks, you don't need that point guard that goes and creates a look for somebody else because your whole entire team is creating looks for each other. You don't have one set person that you're going to. And sure, I understand. Late in games, you want to go to the guys that are your quote-unquote best players. You want to go to PG and Kawhi. Those are your two best players. They're expected to hit shots. But when Milwaukee is defending as well as they do, you need to figure out a way to get an open look. And the way you do that is by running your offense. And the Clippers didn't really do that. And PG, like I said, I mean, 7 of 21, he's got to be better than that. I mean, if you want to have that criticism go away, you obviously have to do it in the playoffs. But doing it in the regular season in these types of games certainly helps. The 7 assists, very good. For Kawhi, he only had 3 assists. You'd like to see him generate a couple more. He did have a few hockey assists in there where he was able to find an open guy and one extra pass pass found an open shooter. I think it's there, Joey. It it really is. It's there for this team. They were right there in this game against Milwaukee. And frankly, I think could have easily won this game. They were 14 of 44 from three, 32%. They're a better three point shooting team than that. What's your biggest takeaway with where this team is? Because I think they're still okay. I think it's annoying to lose games like this. When you play against a team as good as Milwaukee on national TV, you want to win a game like this. I think it's also very frustrating because the Clippers are on a pretty tough road trip to end the first half. I mean, those two games in Memphis, you lost one of two. So now you've lost two of the first three. You have to play at Boston Tuesday and then at Washington, who's pesky as hell, on Thursday. I think for me, it's just... 
more annoyed that they're not taking care of business and games that they should be than concerned about going forward. What are your thoughts? I think it's a little bit of both. So I would say that this isn't a case of, you know, needing to blow up the roster. Like we see some people say after every loss, Yeah. you know, I probably will never get to that point. Um, but I will admit when I think that there are current flaws that if not fixed come playoff time will be fatal. And one of those is going to be their ability to execute down the stretch. And right now I, I don't think a point guard is the answer. I think the answers are on the team. I think they have the personnel to do it. And, you know, I think the proof is in what they do throughout the course of a game, right? But I need to see that actually happen and be well executed down the stretch of a game. So, yes, it's annoying. Yes, it's frustrating. And I think you can say that and also say that it's indicative of of a – real problem that doesn't mean they need to blow up the roster. So I think it's a little bit of everything in that way. Um, I do think that it is not the end of the world, but I also think that there are some real concerns that need to be addressed. Um, And another point I want to make is that for the people who say the Clippers need a point guard uh, or that the Clippers need to, somebody needs to change right on the roster. I understand saying that, but can you please provide a alternative that you would actually like to see? Tell me the point guard that is available and realistic for the Clippers to go get. Because if it's Kyle Lowry, that's not going to happen. Kyle Lowry makes $30 million a year. So if you think the Clippers are going to be able to get him without giving up one of their two star players, it's just not going to happen. It's just contractually impossible. And some of the other options that I see thrown out there, it's like, have you even watched these guys, right? It's like, have you even seen what some of these players have been doing this year? Um, So that's kind of a little bit of my rant on the people who say the Clippers need a point guard or the Clippers need this or that. If you want to say that, that's fine, but I would prefer you actually provide a, a an alternative uh, that, that would make you happy. It's funny you mentioned that because I had Justin Wilson on on Thursday, um, LA Clippers film, and we were talking and he said, everyone's talking about a point guard because we did discuss Lowry and, how fr- and I said that's basically not possible because you don't have the assets. It just wouldn't work more likely than not. But what we were talking about is the point guards that people want them to get. Like in the offseason, there was talk about Jeff Teague and DJ Augustine and Rondo. And Justin's like, are you kidding? Those guys are not going to make us better. And you're echoing those same sentiments. It's going to back to what your original point was. It's on the roster. And that's why I'm not as concerned is because it's there. And I trust Ty Lue. I don't have the same trust in Doc Rivers that I have in Ty Lue. It seems like Ty Lue is able to learn from his mistakes and is able to adjust, whereas we didn't see that with Doc. And so if you are Ty, I think the thing you really need to figure out, and it shouldn't be that hard, is just keep running your offense. The game is 48 minutes. The game is not 44, and then go ISO with your best player. That's not how basketball is supposed to work. Milwaukee, sure, they went to Giannis down the stretch. Giannis is one of the most unique players that we will ever have in the NBA. His ability to get from the perimeter to the basket in like three steps is unheard of. And he was able to get his shots. But if you're a team in the Clippers that can generate looks, you've got to keep doing that. That's why I'm not as concerned, Joey, because I think it's on the roster. 
And that's my point, man. That is my point. It is on the roster. They have the personnel, and their starting lineup wouldn't have the best net rating and offensive rating in all of basketball if that wasn't the case. This team, when orchestrating their offense the way that they need to, is is truly one of the best that you're going to find. But with that being said, that doesn't do you any help if you break down at the end of a game and completely abandon what got you to that point. So I think that's the primary takeaway from today is that the Clippers have the personnel to be the team that we know they can be and have seen them be at times, but it's all a matter of actually doing that down the stretch of a game. And, and in a sense, I'm a bit encouraged by that because I think that for the fans that are freaking out, I think you can look at that and say, this is, more so of an adjustment thing than it is uh, a, a bigger issue that is more difficult to fix. I think this problem is more fixable than some of the other flaws that, that fans may think we have. Let's take a quick break from our conversation with Joey to talk about our friends over at my bookie. If you're listening to this podcast and you like making a few bucks, go to my bookie. What can you do at my bookie? Oh, all you do is just get the best odds contests and promotions in the business all you do is get the best lines all you do is get some great games like blackjack it's not just sports betting it's other stuff as well my bookie is a place that i trust to handle my nba related bets place to bet on the nhl college basketball the premier league tennis golf it's all there I do not give out my stamp of approval easily. To earn it, you've got to be the best at what you do. And my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up, enter the promo code HOOPBALL, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. If you need a little bit of help, or you just want to listen to some others offer their advice, hit up the HoopBall Gaming Twitter account, hit them up, and get the wager pass. Those guys are giving out their bets. It's simple. It's easy. Make a few extra bucks. Head over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. And to go off some numbers that I think stand out from this game, the Clippers only had eight turnovers. The turnovers have been an issue of late, so good to see them not really turning over the basketball a ton. Pat Beverly, one of six from three. He's a better three-point shooter than that. He's a 40% three-point shooter, so he's Going to be better than that on most nights. PG, 2 of 10 from 3. He's going to be better than that most nights. The Clippers, 7 free throw attempts. 7. Kawhi had 4. Lou Williams had 3. PG not going to the line is unacceptable. He has to get to the line more. This is a team that gets to the line a lot more than what they did today. So 7 free throw attempts. And combine that with PG's numbers from 3. And Pat Bev's numbers from three, that normally doesn't happen on a given night. Any of those numbers stand out to you? Uh, the biggest one is going to be the free throws from Paul George, because as you mentioned, especially if the shot is not falling and double, especially if it's not falling down the stretch, the great ones, they get into the paint and make things happen. And Giannis, he's not a great free throw shooter, but that's what he does. He, he, he doesn't really take any shots outside of the paint, especially in the clutch. 
but he took over this game because of his ability. And, and as you talked about, it's a, it's a really another worldly ability to get inside the paint, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about. I'm more so speaking to the intentionality that he and others like him show to get inside when the shot's not falling. Because if you just keep going back to the same exact thing that has gotten you in this three or four minute scoreless hole, that's not going to win a ball game. What's going to win a ball game is understanding that my shot's not falling. I'm Paul George. I can get inside. I can beat my initial defender and get inside the paint and either draw contact or finish. That's that's going to be something that needs to change down the stretch for sure. And I think we'll drastically improve the Clippers' uh, clutch numbers if if him and even Kawhi uh, start abandoning the shots that aren't going down and getting inside a little bit more. Yeah, you wonder if they're a little gun shy because they don't think they're going to get the call. And uh, PG doesn't get some calls when he goes to the hoop. And obviously we know what happened with Kawhi and that offensive foul call earlier this week. So it happens in a weird number that stands out. Um, Giannis, this is just the third time all year that he's attempted seven or more threes. The two other times they lost. Uh, he was two of seven against New Orleans like he was today. And he was three of eight against Boston in the first game of the season. So this is just the third time all year he's attempted seven threes. That's where you want him shooting. I mean, it's as simple as that. You want him taking that shot because he's not a good jump shooter. If you let him get to the hoop, that's when he causes problems. And if you take away those seven threes for Giannis, I mean, he, he was 13 of 20 from the field. So that, that's dangerous. It's tough to do. But like you said, I mean, PG, if the shot's not falling for you, you're seven for 21 in a game, you got to go to the hoop. You got to create, you got to be better than that because it's there, man. It's there. And I think that's the frustrating part is when you look at a guy like PG that is as good as he is, you look at a guy like Kawhi as good as he is, and they're not capitalizing with these opportunities. And you see a guy like Giannis that is, then it's, again, it goes back to a key word that we've said plenty of times. It's frustrating. So now this team is sitting at 24 and 12, and they have a couple games left going into the All-Star break. What would you like to see from this team in these few games? Because now you've lost two of three, and you have lost a couple of games where your shot hasn't fallen. It's It could be a moment in the season where things can unravel, and I think this is where you need to put a stop to it. I mean, you need to beat a team like Boston that hasn't been very good. you got to beat Washington. What do you want to see from this squad in the next couple games? Well, the Boston game is going to be an interesting one because while the Celtics haven't been great at, you know, up to their standards that they would like to meet, that's a team that gives the Clippers trouble and gives them a great game almost every single time those two teams meet. Really, every single time since Kawhi and PG came to the Clippers, it's it's been a great matchup between Boston. Uh, so I think regardless of the Celtics' current record and, and current level of play, that's going to be another matchup right away that you're on national television again. You're up against a team that has beaten you once already this season, beat you twice last year, or once last year. They split last year, I think. Um, go get that game, right? And, you know, if it comes down to the final few possessions again, it's another opportunity to show growth. And that for teams that want to be contenders, as important as seeding is and as wins are, the regular season's a, a big part of it is about growth. And a big part of it is moving past the supposed fatal flaws that you have 
and fixing those before playoff basketball rolls around. Something I don't think the Clippers did last season and have yet to do this season, but there's a lot of season left. Uh, and, and a good place to start would be these first two games going into the All-Star break. Hey, one more point, and I agree with you, by the way, on all of what you just said. What would you think of this uh, death lineup that the Clippers decide to roll out at the end? Because thinking more on it, I'm not sure that that's a lineup you want to go to when Giannis is on the floor and he can basically go on to any player that he wants that isn't a big. Um, what are mm-hmm. your thoughts on that one? Because I'm not sure that was the right time to go to it. And I think I may have preferred to see Baca on the floor or a guy like Zoo. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually said that to my dad when Ibaka or Zoo, whoever was out there, got taken off the floor and they slid Morris to the five. I said that. I said that before the game ended in the final two minutes. I saw the Clippers were going small and I didn't like it for two reasons. One was the point you made. The point that, I mean, Giannis, man, first of all, He's hard enough to guard. I mean, you could, you could, you know, combined, you know, Boban with prime Kawhi's quickness and hands and strength and, you know, whoever else, you know, and, and make some superhuman. And you're probably still not going to be able to stop Giannis. But with that being said, you have a better chance at doing it with Serge Ibaka or Big Zoo going straight up and getting vertical than you do with a guy like Marcus Morris or Nick Batum trying to guard him. And we even had Pat Bev get switched on to him one time in the paint. So that is certainly a reason why I would have liked to see a center, one of them, Ibaka or Big Zoo on the floor. I would have opted for Ibaka and for this reason. He was hot. He was making his shots both in the mid-range and from deep. He started off slow, but man, that guy got it going in the third quarter. I'm not sure he even attempted a shot in the fourth, definitely not down the stretch. So I would have liked to see Ibaka on the floor, not only because he gives Giannis more trouble at the rim, but because he was one of the few guys that was actually knocking down shots. Yeah, that's that's my thought too, man. I, I was confused at what they were doing because you go to that lineup and it's just, frankly, it's not good defensively because you have those shorter players against Giannis and if you're not going to stay in front of him and you're going to allow a switch like Pat Beverly onto Giannis, it's just not acceptable. I mean, you are giving them points. You're saying, here, take these two points, take these three points. And on the offensive end, Sure, you go small, you can have all these guys that are shooters. Why not do that with Ibaka? That's why you got him for situations like that where he could step out and spread the floor and then also help on the defensive end against bigger players. It was just something that didn't make sense to me at all. I'm glad that you noticed it too uh, because the death lineup is always the, the cute thing. Everybody loves the death lineup. It's always supposed to be awesome. Oh, we have the smaller players that can score. Sometimes it's not good to go to a lineup like that. And in this situation, against a team that has Giannis, I just don't think it was the right time. Dude, I mean, look at the Lakers, the champions from last year. Those guys oftentimes down the stretch were playing a center that has no offensive game at all, right? Dwight and McGee were a big part of what they did last year in terms of defending. One of the biggest reasons why the Lakers were so good last year was because they were absolutely lethal inside of the paint defensively. And for the Clippers, they have two guys. I was actually looking at the numbers last night, and I'm I'm glad I was. Um, Both Kawhi, or excuse me, both Zoo and Serge are amongst the top 15 in the league in defending within six feet. Both of them have been really good. I think they're both around like 55% uh, field goal percentage against them within six feet, and that's very good. Uh, and ranks uh, atop the league um, in, in that in that top category. 
So when you're going up against a team like the Bucks or going up against a team like the Lakers, right? LeBron, Giannis, really any of the contenders that you might see down the stretch, right? Donovan Mitchell, a lot of those guys, they make their money by getting downhill and getting into the paint. And both Zoo, especially Zoo, but Surge as well, are very, very good at going vertical and making it extremely difficult on guys like that to finish at the basket. So I think especially in a game where your five out guys are not even making their shots, you have a guy like Serge Ibaka who's shooting well and can defend the paint. I don't think you could just sit him on the bench in the final few minutes against a team like Milwaukee. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's let's finish this off with Blake Griffin talk. He is a guy that is now sitting out for the Detroit Pistons. The Clippers, some can say, did him dirty by, in the free agent pitch, pitching a jersey retirement for Blake Griffin and then trading him away shortly thereafter. You can also look at it as the Clippers paid him and got him paid and got his contract. So really, it you can see both ways. I understand both ways. You are making the case for Blake Griffin back to the Clippers. Now, I want to tell you why. I don't think it makes sense, and I want you to convince me otherwise. I've watched Blake Griffin. He has turned into a three-point shooter, and not a great three-point shooter. His athleticism is nowhere close to what it was. Frankly, it's basically gone. He he has a chance to go for a dunk, and he doesn't. I think the number the year was 2019, the last time he dunked. Blake Griffin's a guy that likes the ball in his hands. We talked earlier about having a point guard. That's where I see a guy like Blake possibly being a good asset, is the ball being in his hands. But you wonder, would a guy like him take minutes away from somebody else like Marcus Morris, for example, that I think is just better at this stage in his career? And I'm curious to see if you disagree. Nick Batum, I think he may take minutes away from him because you're going to have Kawhi, you're going to have PG, you're going to have one of Pat or Lou on the floor. So the question is, whose minutes does he cut into if he joins this team? That's my biggest question for you, Joey, is whose minutes does he cut into? Well, it's a good question, and I think I have an interesting answer. So people want to talk about the Clippers needing a point guard, right? Well, have you seen what Blake Griffin can do with the ball in his hands? That guy, while his athleticism has eroded, his lift is gone, that man can still make plays. And that was my biggest point that I made in the video that I broke down. Blake Griffin, and I have watched every single Pistons game since Blake went there. I mean, I'm the biggest Blake Griffin fan, you know, self-proclaimed, but the biggest Blake Griffin fan that you're going to find. And when he got traded, I was devastated, but I got myself a a Blake jersey, got got league pass, everything. And I watched every single Blake Griffin game since he left the Clippers. And while this season has certainly been rough because he's not as healthy as I think he expected to be, uh, one of the things that he still does extremely well is is pass and make plays for others. And he is a very, very smart basketball player, which is something that Kawhi said at the end of last season the Clippers needed. They needed more high IQ basketball players. They went out, got Nick Batum, went out, got Serge Ibaka. So your question of whose minutes would Blake take? Well, I think he could actually slide in alongside guys like Marcus Morris and Nick Batum and maybe take minutes from guys like Reggie Jackson and play more of a facilitator role for the Clippers instead of just standing out along the three-point line 
and waiting for the ball to come his way and, and you know, maybe take a, a, a what's been a pretty low percentage three-point shot for him this year, if you put the ball in his hands and allow him to facilitate for the second unit, what I think that does is turn Reggie Jackson into the best version of himself, which is a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, turn Marcus Morris into the best version of himself, which is a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, Nick Batum, same story, and even to an extent, Lou Williams. Getting the ball out of his hands and allowing him to play off the ball is something that we saw last year actually worked out pretty well for him. So while I completely acknowledge and affirm uh, the people who have watched Blake Griffin and, and seen the way that his game has really started to erode, I think that there is some extreme value left in his ability to make plays, and um, that's what I think he could do well for this Clippers in, in the second unit. So look at the minutes tonight and look to see what the Clippers did. Reggie Jackson played three minutes, Terrence Mann 15, Zoo 16, Morris 23, Lou Williams 25. Where would PG or PG Blake Griffin fit in in a game like today? In a game like today, I think it would be a combination of both Lou Williams and Terrence Mann because while I think they've both been, especially T-Man, been playing really well of lately, uh, Lou Williams, you know, he's had some stretches of cold shooting, and I think a lot of that has come off of his own um, created plays. So I think if you get a guy like Blake Griffin alongside of him, maybe in some of T-Man's minutes, as great as T-Man has been, he, he's not really playing the role of, of shot creator. I think Blake Griffin could play, you know, 10, 15 minutes off the bench and help a team like the Clippers, help players like Lou Williams and, and other guys with the bench unit, Marcus Morris, getting more clean looks because Lou Will and Marcus Morris were just a combined 9 for 22 in this game. And I feel like a lot of those looks were tough. Both of them took a lot of tough mid-range jumpers that I think – uh, aren't exactly the type of looks that the Clippers would like to get them. So in a game like today, that would probably be the role that I envision Blake having. Um, but I will also admit, I, the main reason why I bl- want Blake Griffin back on this team is because I love Blake Griffin, and I'm a Blake Griffin fan, and I want to see him be on the Clippers. I want to see him uh, finish what he started with the Clippers. So I will admit that while the X's and O's of it may be a little bit more complicated and a little bit less, uh, I guess, um, <laughs> a little bit less mainstream and a little bit less um, applicable than a lot of people might think. It's something I want to see because I'm the biggest Blake Griffin fan you're going to find. I love him. And I think he, he would have an opportunity to come home to LA and because he hasn't been great this year and because his body doesn't allow him to do the things that maybe some other contenders would ask him to do. I think the Clippers would be a perfect fit for him because this is a team that could utilize his best skill, which is playmaking. If he goes to a team like the Lakers, which God forbid that, that, I pray that never happens. But if if that were to happen, a team like the Lakers or a team like Miami or some of these other contenders that you know his name has kind of been floated around to, I think would actually ask a lot more of him than the Clippers would. And I think that depending on what Blake's uh, you know where his head's at right now, I could see the Clippers being a good fit not only for his for his life coming back to L.A. but also just strictly basketball and, and utilizing his best skill. Yeah, I hate how his career has gone. Absolutely hate it. I mean, it, the guy has worked his ass off to try and stay healthy, and I remember that he did all these things in the off season and just different stuff to try and be healthy. And you look at Chris Paul, for example. That's a guy that has gone. I believe completely vegan to try and stay healthy. And luckily for the most part he has, but Blake has not been able to, and I'm right there with you. I mean, Blake Griffin, easily one of my all time favorite Clippers, no doubt about it. I remember 
being at the arena. I believe it was MLK Day when he dropped, I think, close to 50 points. Um, and it was awesome to see. And just the dunks and everything that he brought to the team and the energy. And I understand in terms of oh, you want him there just because he's your guy. And I just don't know if it fits. I don't know if it makes sense because you mentioned Lou Williams and Terrence Mann. Those are smaller guys that Pete, that uh, Blake would replace. I'm just not sure defensively how it would work with the minutes. I'm curious to see if he would take that 10 to 15 minute role um, or if he decides to go somewhere else. It's interesting. It'll be, it'll be fun to uh, see where it ends up, but it's not the end of the career um, of a guy that we knew and loved. I mean, this is definitely a different Blake Griffin. I remember when he came into the league, Joey, people were saying, all he does is dunk. All he does is dunk. The guy can't shoot. He developed a jump, jump shot to silence the haters. And now what does he do? All he does is shoot threes. It's been a, a crazy trajectory for him. You know, you're right, man. And, and not, nothing that you've said so far, I disagree with. I think you're spot on and I understand why you would, you would question the fit. And all your all your questions are valid, absolutely. Um, but I think a lot of it's going to come down to what Blake is looking for, what he thinks he can do at this point in his career. And um, I think that the Clippers can offer him a unique role. But with that being said, I actually don't think it will happen this season. I think if a buyout is going to occur, it's going to happen next season because, like I said, I don't know where Blake's head is at in terms of you know what he's valuing the most currently. Um, but he has like a $39 million player option next season. And that's a lot of money to give up for a player like him who is, you know, unlikely to get much more than the veteran minimum at this point in his career. So I would anticipate him just kind of riding out this season with Detroit and then picking up his player option next season and then getting a buyout at some point next season. So while I am, you know, the self-proclaimed leader of the Blake Griffin back to LAC movement I, I don't anticipate it happening this season uh, but if it did I, i'd be uh i'd be one happy fan joey it's always a blast having you on man it, it's always fun to talk clippers basketball with you at joey lynn underscore on twitter where else can people find you because i know you're creating content all over the place you know what man uh, i'm on youtube and instagram both at clips convos uh convos c-o-n-v-o-s just like clippers conversation topics and and you know it's funny man the YouTube content creating is 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 tough because it takes me a long time to make these videos, but I also have to time them well. Like, I don't want to drop a, oh, Kawhi Leonard should be in the MVP conversation after a game like today, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I enjoy it, and that's where you can find me, uh, some of the extra stuff that I do. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll make a video about, you know, the Clippers needing a point guard talk or something like that down the line, you know, kind of as a response to, to what we've seen lately. But, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Always a pleasure. Anytime you need me, you know where to find me. Joey, we'll talk to you soon, man. Right on, my man. I appreciate you. You have a great rest of your day. All right. Another great conversation in the books. Hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. And I hope you are not as concerned about the Los Angeles Clippers. Because, yes, there were absolutely some issues. The failure to get to the line. The failure to just not run the offense the way it should be run at the end of the game and going straight up ISO. Definitely concerns. But I think the Clippers should be okay. We'll see how they come out in that game against Boston. Because that is a game they absolutely should win. We'll talk about the road trip in just a second. But we do have to take a quick break. And we got about, we have to talk about our friends over at Manscaped. All right. We've talked about them before. 
You've heard me talk about all the great things they've got, whether it's the Lawnmower 3.0, whether it's the nose and ear hair trimmer. It's all there. Now, spring break right around the corner. You know what that means. Spring break, it could get, you know, a little bit out of control and also could get a little bit out of control below the belt. We want you to get all the good stuff at HoopBall with an exclusive 20% offer using the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. I know you've tried using scissors before. You've had an accident. Whether you're using it for your beard, whether you're using it down there to trim, I know you have had an accident before. Why not get the Perfect Package 3.0? comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0. It comes with all the things that you need for your grooming routine, whether it's the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, whether it's the Crop Cleaner Body Wash, it's all there for a limited time. Subscribers get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. 20% off, free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor, always use the right tools for the job. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the code HOOPBALL20. All right, I mentioned it during the podcast with Joey. You got a couple games left before the first half comes to an end, and I can't believe we're already here. At Boston on Tuesday, at Washington on Thursday. Should be an interesting couple of ball games. That Boston team is struggling. Jason Tatum's not shooting, shooting the ball very well, but they still have Kemba Walker, still have Tatum, still have Jalen Brown. They've got a feisty team. So I'd like to see the Clippers get two wins to close things out. More likely than not, we'll be back either Thursday or Friday for your next podcast, and we'll recap the Boston and Washington games and look ahead to the All-Star break. If you like what you're listening to, head over to the Apple Store, give us or the iTunes Store, wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us the five-star rating. Review the podcast as well. You can always follow me on Twitter, at BDMarcus. You can follow the Twitter handle for the podcast, at HoopBallClips. A big thank you to you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus, and go Clips! This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.